Hey, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in to the Blissful Prospecting Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Bay. If this is your first time listening to the show, this podcast is for sales reps and sales teams who love landing big meetings with their prospects, but hate sending hundreds of cold emails and making hundreds of cold calls and not being able to figure out why their prospects don't want to talk to them. So I'm super excited for the episode today. Jordan Benjamin is our guest. He's a new friend. He hosts a podcast called Mindfulness for Sales, which I was on. He is principal partner sales manager at HubSpot, and he's also the founder of a company called MyCore OS, which we'll talk about here in a second. But we're going to be talking about something a little different today. We're not going to talk much about prospecting, but more on how to run your life and create a personal operating system. So all of the things that are unique about you and how you run your life on a daily basis and how that affects your sales results. So let's get to the episode today. So like I said, today, what I'm excited about is we're not really going to dig into much around you know prospecting or tactically how to set meetings or anything like that. And it's not that that stuff's not important, obviously. That's just what I talk about every single episode. And it's kind of refreshing, actually, with this one to not talk <laughs> about that and more talk about the soft skills and the stuff about you as a person, your personal development, the stuff that really affects how you show up to your job, how you prospect, how you sell, that sort of thing. And what we're going to dig into is this framework that he learned from his dad that I thought was super cool. And it was essentially around how you manage yourself, how you control yourself. So manage yourself is like your self-talk, right? Being a lifelong student, being curious, that sort of stuff. Controlling yourself is the discipline piece. So how do you find out your personal dominoes, the things in your life that give you energy, right? How you manage others. So this is your empathy, how you understand other people, their goals, their motivation, and how do you show up and do things for others and connecting to a bigger mission outside of setting the next appointment. So this one, like I said, is a little bit different, but I think you're really going to like it. It's a bit of a departure from what we normally talk about, but you're going to find that all of this stuff is definitely going to help you in your sales game. Before we get to the episode, quick announcement. If you're a rep listening to this and you're like, you know what? I listen to a lot of sales content and I really want to level up. So get beyond that 100 level type stuff, that 200 level type stuff, and really attain mastery in sales, both in prospecting, the selling motion, and you want to be a top one percenter, you want to get recognized, maybe promoted, you want to grow your income, that sort of thing. I think you're going to be really excited about a new offer, a new program I just launched called Outbound Squad. It's only for serious reps that on a weekly basis want to be a part of a, a group. Think of it like 300, you know, those Spartans. <laughs> right, a group of people, elite sales reps that really want to level up and make more money and make more impact, you know, and grow their sales and advance within their company, all that good stuff. If that sounds appealing to you and you think it'd be a good fit, send me an email, jason at blissfulprospecting.com and just put squad in the subject line and I'll hook you up. Like I said, no tricks, no gimmicks here. It is hard work. It is a paid program. But if you think you're up for the challenge, I'd love to talk to you. And without further ado, let's get to the episode. So I always like to start with a quick icebreaker. And I'm curious, what did you eat for breakfast when you were a kid? Grape nuts with copious oh. amounts of sugar. I ate so many spoonfuls of sugar on top of my grape nuts as a kid that it absolutely destroyed the health benefits that my mom wanted me to have from it. But a yeah. lot of grape nuts and then sometimes Cheerios too. You know what's really funny is we definitely have the grape nuts thing in common. Everyone I tell that is like, dude, 
grape nuts? That's like what retired people eat at the senior <laughs> living home. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's definitely true. My mom like forced them on me, but I could definitely uh, get them down with at least like four tablespoons of sugar per bowl. <laughs> oh, okay. That's the other thing I got to ask you about the sugar on the cereal thing. Is that generational for us and maybe our parents? Because my mom encouraged it. Oh, you don't like how it tastes? Spoonful of sugar directly on the cereal. Let's put more sugar in the thing that's already got a bunch of sugar in it. Oh, yeah. I think that was the time when like the sugar lobbyists were getting their ads out there and telling us that sugar is yeah. okay. And I think it might have even it was part of the food pyramid when we grew up of like, oh, yeah, you should have yeah. some sugar in, in your diet. So I think it was definitely part of it. But now I think we're starting to see like, oh, sugar is so horrible for you and actually operates like cocaine would on your brain uh, yeah. to actually kind of have you move in that direction. So I think it was probably generational and we're starting to see a, a pretty big shift away from it now, which is, is kind of crazy actually, but makes sense. Yeah. No, it's super cool. Well, I'm really excited for this conversation. And before we dig into some of the topics for today, I wanted to ask you about, because I saw on your LinkedIn that, so you did some work with Seth Godin. Did you get to meet him and work with him at all? Like, what was that experience like? Yeah. So Seth Godin has this program he built that's now under this uh, Akimbo company organization called the Alt-MBA, which we may talk a little bit more about today. And after going through one of the earlier cohorts, they asked me out of a handful of folks if we wanted to be coaches of the program. And so through that whole coaching conglomerate, Seth and team actually put together a retreat for the coaches in New York City and got to meet Seth. The guy is so brilliant, so eloquent, yep. so well-versed and educated and worldly that he took us around New York City to the Museum of Modern Art, but he only wanted to show us like three specific pieces and talked about his interpretation of them. And then actually, I remember walking down through like Times Square with Seth and talking to him about cross-country skiing or actually even more specifically uh, skate skiing that apparently is a, a favorite activity for him and superheroes and, and comic superheroes. So he is a super interesting guy. And that all 10 BA program and coach community that I, I've built out of that is actually one of the favorite things that I've actually ever been a part of. What's one lesson, if you look back, what's stuck with you the most, would you say from that experience? There's one word and it's called Sonder, S-O-N-D-R. And it's this concept that Everyone else has something crazy going on in their head or their life that is just as important to them or just as meaningful or impactful to them as any of the crazy things going on for yourself. And so building this kind of true sense of empathy towards other people, realizing that, yeah, I may have crazy experiences happening in my life and there are crazy experiences happening in your life that are just as impactful or just as important or meaningful to you that really actually helps me in sales as well as I start oh, thinking yeah. about how do other people operate and knowing that, you know, as they decide to take a meeting with me or decide to make a purchase, like they've got crazy stories going on in the back of their head too, just as much as I'm sitting there saying, I need to sell this. I need to grow. That really helped me start to empathize more with anybody uh, and especially my prospects. Yeah. Yeah. You, this is so cool that Sonder, I've never heard that word before, but this you're so right about sales because it's almost even just the acknowledgement of it, of the fact that, hey, there are other things going on besides 
what I want from you and my interaction with you, oftentimes just the acknowledgement of that is enough, you know, for most people. And uh, it's kind of hard, I think, for a lot of salespeople. I call it, with prospecting, I call it prospecting narcissism, you know, where everything is about what we want from the other person. There's just nothing, no consideration at all over what this person's going through, who they are, why they might want to take a meeting with you. So yeah, there's definitely a big connection there. Yeah, no, I love that prospecting narcissism thought because it's so easy to just be self-focused and to sit there and even, like you say, just kind of address it and call it out is where it's Mm -hmm. like, hey, I understand this is probably a big decision for you. I understand that you're probably super busy as well. And taking time out of your day means you're saying no to something else. I think something that's not built into most sales frameworks of the fact that like your prospect is a human as well that has stuff going on in their life and stresses and things that we don't really know unless maybe we call it out a little bit. Yeah. Well, let's dig into this because we're kind of starting to, this is a really good uh, transition, actually. (laughs) We're talking about something a little bit different. This is a bit of a departure, but very connected, actually, to what we normally talk on this podcast around prospecting. And it's this concept around like your core operating system, right? Your personal operation system. How did you come up with this kind of concept and why did you decide to start a business around it? I think this will segue pretty good into the, and we'll have to circle back to the empathy piece. Yeah. So I've had a bunch of different experiences throughout my life that have given me my own unique perspective and view on the world. I ended up working out of college as a educator, they called it at Lululemon selling yoga clothing, where they had me set goals, one, five and 10 year goals and stick them on the wall of the store. And I didn't ever really think much about that uh, until a bunch of years later and how that impacted me. I got into teaching yoga. I got really into meditation in college and really throughout that whole experience realized that most of what I got in school, most of what I got in my early sales career in terms of training from all sorts of wonderful organizations around the sales tactics never actually helped me think about how to run my life. You know, I had a lot of friends yeah. that I saw struggling with like anxiety, depression, suicide even. I struggled with anxiety. And so I've been searching for a long time and have been learning all sorts of different things at seminars and workshops and courses from MIT to Seth Godin's Alt-MBA, where Seth actually has this talk, TED Talk called Stop Stealing Our Dreams, where he talks about how our education system doesn't really empower us to be unique individuals, but creates, you know, just cogs in a machine, people built to work on a factory floor. And so it helped me move to this concept of really trying to understand what is my own personal operating system? You know, what are my values? What are the things that are important to me? What fills me up? What drains me? And how can I take some more direction or intention through that? You know, I I think the example that I like to use with a lot of folks and clients is if I were trying to go somewhere, particularly in my life, and I'm trying to go somewhere new in the car, I'm going to figure out where I am on the map and I'm going to find my destination on the map and I'm going to plan my course there. But many of us in our life just kind of take it day by day and don't really have any direction or intentionality behind what we do. And yet our cell phone 
sends me updates. It's constantly updating its operating system. And most of what I've done in my life hadn't been intentional about how I want to do that. And so hearing this concept of the school systems broken, seeing so many people in my life and in sales, especially struggling with their overall happiness, seeing famous actors or people that are look to be so successful in the way that society has told us of what success is, taking their own lives or being depressed, having drug problems, really told me that there's got to be more to learn to really create our own unique humanity and to create the best version of ourselves. And so I created my core OS to say, how do we help understand our own personal operating system and create some more intentionality behind it to have direction in our lives, to manage our stress and our mental health, and to ideally create more alignment with how we operate so we don't have to just balance work and life, but we can really integrate them together. Yeah. The integration together, that's, I think, the the part that what you just uh, said stuck out to me the most. What I wrote down on this piece of paper here is, you know, salesperson. And I think a lot of people split the sales and the person piece, you know, where it's split down the middle, where you get taught all of these tactics and strategies and scripts and things to follow, especially if you're a BDR, SDR, you're given a scripted way to have conversations with people. And no other application in your life ever does a conversation start with a script. Totally. Where they say, hey, Jordan, you want to go meet people and make friends? Here's the exact words you're going to say to do that. And it's going to work every time. No one would ever do that. Yet with sales, I wonder if that's the fact that it's trained in such a compartmentalized way where it almost creates a different identity for you, where when people say, I feel salesy, it's like a different identity that they have around who they are as a salesperson versus who they are as a person. And what I'm hearing for you is is the operating system. It's kind of like looking at those two things like they're very connected and very congruent. And how do you start with you and let that drive your sales career and how you approach sales or prospecting or whatever it might be. Yeah. I think if you can't show up authentically, it's really hard to be the best version of yourself. And so frequently we are conditioned to kind of show a mask to the outer world and yet be somebody totally different in our inner world. And it makes it hard to show up as a real human, because I think that is the piece that so many people miss to your point, salesperson is where we aren't really taught this concept of how do we also be a person, our prospects, our people. And this framework that I learned from my dad that I really love around leadership is this concept of know yourself, control yourself, know others, do something for others. And if you want to be able to do something for other people, you have to first be able to understand yourself and know what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, what are the areas that you struggle with, and then take control of them actively before you can actually show up for others. And so I think for me, it's really about that self-awareness building and even empathizing with myself, because then I can actually go out and show up as my best version of myself or authentically, and not just who the script told me I'm supposed to be, that I think leads to a lot of burnout, mental health struggles and issues. And, you know, people jumping around in sales careers opposed to really seeing themselves as sales professionals, which when former leader at HubSpot, Hunter Mabley talked about being a sales professional, sent off the light bulb for me of like, yeah, how do I treat this as a professional? Professional athletes are training, doing video all the time, have coaches, have outside support systems. And that's okay to ask for help. That's okay to have somebody else to be a resource for you that 
really helped me click to say, okay, I'm okay to say, hey, I don't have all the answers and I can use some other help, ways to get help and support that for me ultimately lead to, great, now I can show up and not be afraid to say like, yeah, I'm not sure why I'm saying this part of the script or this doesn't really resonate with my voice or my style and thinking about how I can make it my own to really use my own unique skills and strengths as a seller to be that special person on the phone that nobody else can actually replicate or recreate. Yeah. I love your dad's framework. That might be a good way to kind of structure the conversation. You said the starting with yourself and you said empathizing with yourself. That might be a really weird concept for people that maybe haven't gone to therapy. Like I think we've talked about both of us have done a lot of. (laughs) Yep, me too. So what does that mean when you say empathize with yourself? And can you elaborate on the strengths and weaknesses? Like what are we trying to figure out about ourselves? Yeah. So I'm actually reading a book just now, and I'm only two chapters in, but it's called The Untethered Soul that was recommended to me. And it talks about the fact that we all have this constant chatter going in our heads that we think is unique to us and we think is us. But in reality, it's just chatter going in our heads. And so as I think about starting to empathize with myself, this book has been really helpful for me, even in the first 30 minutes of what I've read, to take some concepts I've known for a while even further about understanding that all the self-talk that we have in our heads isn't actually who we are. And in most cases, the book talks about if our friend, if the self-talk we had in our head was a friend of ours, we'd kick that person out of our lives so freaking quickly. But yet that's what's going on in the back of our heads. And so for me, how I started to really become aware of myself and start to empathize with myself as I got into meditation. I got into sitting quietly and observing those thoughts. Many people think that, oh, meditation, you have to turn those thoughts off. And really, it's much more about just observing those thoughts, seeing what comes up, understanding them, and then maybe being a little bit more intentional or taking more control over those thoughts. And so as I'm on sales calls, I start to realize like, oh, I'm getting nervous. I'm getting tense. I see where I think they're going with this conversation. And I'm already thinking about my next answer versus actually listening to what my prospect has to say and being an active listener. And so that's where I start to build some of this understanding of, you know, I know that I tend to talk really fast. And if I get somebody on a call who is not that well-versed in the areas that we're talking about, or if they're not maybe from the East Coast and ready to talk really fast, I need to slow myself down to take a little bit more control. And so for me, I really think about all the different experiences that have made up my life. Something that I got from a course at MIT, they talk about crucible moments, these big moments in your life that impact how you think and how you see in the, and operate in the world that have given me a lot of time to do self-reflection, to start doing that, whether it's on a meditation cushion, at a course, talking to my therapist, to really start understanding what are the unique things about me that make me up and where do I have some unique abilities that maybe other people don't have as much strength in? And where do I have areas that I can work on or continually improve, like the pace of my speaking or my anxiety or the fact that I bite my fingernails, whatever it might be, all starts to open up my own understanding of who I am. So now I can take a little bit more control and be a little bit more intentional with the actions that I take. Yeah, dude, I love this. It's the know yourself. I love the piece around self-talk not being 
That's not who you are. And what's really interesting about that is I really like, there's a form of therapy called ACT. It's acceptance commitment therapy. Mm -hmm. And it's this, it's really the whole foundation of Buddhism is really kind of around that topic. When you think about it, you know, I think they just kind of formalized it with ACT. And it's this, I'm not going to try to change what is going on in my head. I'm just going to accept that that's the chatter and not try to fight it. And it's more about what you do with it versus stopping it. And meditation is one of many ways. I think that I do meditate. I think that a lot of people are like, you know, oh, well, I got to meditate. They don't really vibe with that. There's so many different ways that you can accomplish the same thing. I mean, for some people that could be going on a walk, for some people that could just be sitting on your porch, drinking coffee, like just some place where you're alone with your thoughts for 10 minutes in the morning, anything like that will help because I don't think that very many people sit alone in there, unless you're single, I guess, and you're living at home by yourself, you're probably not spending much time sitting there alone in your thoughts. So I think that's really good, man. The self-talk piece. What is the, can you give an example when you say strengths and weaknesses and uh, sorry, I'm kind of going all over the place because this is another thing I was going to ask you actually was, uh, have you heard the quote from Michael Port, uh, business problems are really personal problems in disguise? (laughs) I've not heard that, but I love it. I think it is so true. Everything you're saying totally reminds me of that because all of this stuff, the chatter, I mean, I don't know about you, with my business, I have such imposter syndrome all the time. I'm constantly, well, what if I do this and it doesn't work? And why would anyone want to do this? And what you said is such a good reminder for me to be like, oh, that's, that's not who you are. That stuff's just coming up. That happens for everyone. It's what are you going to do with that information? But the strengths and weaknesses piece, though, I'm curious, where do you start you know, with that? Like, what kind of stuff are you looking at? How do you know what they are? Are you asking other people maybe for feedback too? How do you find some of this stuff? Yeah, I think everything you listed there is self-reflection and feedback from others, asking questions and watching other people and trying to be a lifelong student or approaching life with this attitude of curiosity is where I know that as a human being, I am not perfect. I am perfect because I am me and I'm the only one of me. But at the same time, we all have flaws. We all have different biases and things that have come up. And so actually with my fiance this week, we just saw a post on Instagram from Tom Bilyeu, who had five risky questions that you've got to ask your partner that one of them was, what is one characteristic that I have that holds me back? And it's a meaty topic. And, you know, she was like, well, you're disorganized. And it oh, makes it really hard a surprise for, you. for you to hear or what, or uh, I know I've been disorganized for a while. Um, <laughs> but then she, you know, unpacks that a little further with like, so it makes it really hard for you to manage your time and be effective. So you're wasting time and you're making it harder on yourself. And so, oh. you know, I, I think like looking for feedback from outside people is super helpful in leadership. We talk a lot about like 360 reviews. And I've done a lot of assessments. I'm a nerd for a lot of these things. So I've done disc assessments to see, you know, where's my profile? You know, what are my tendencies? I think one of the things that came out of that as well is you are not necessarily a static person. So whether you take a disc assessment, whether you take a strengths finder or whatever it might be, you're going to find that those are just your tendencies. We can all flex and be malleable as humans. 
but there are things that we typically do more frequently than others. And so for me, it's a lot of this learning and exploring and just being curious, knowing first and foremost that I've got things that I can improve on and not seeing losses or failures, but seeing everything as an opportunity to learn and really leaning into this attitude of this intellectual curiosity to say, the more that I can explore and learn about myself, the better I can work towards understanding where I should spend my time, what I'm best at, and maybe understanding the things that I should avoid as well, because that all helps me piece together my own best version of myself and how I can show up for the world and others better than I was yesterday. Yeah. I love that you do that with your fiance. It's something that I do. I've done several times with my wife, Sarah, too, where you ask each other, what do you feel like I do really well? What do you feel like my biggest weakness is? What are some of the things that I do that not are annoying to you, but you see annoying other people? And I think this is a really good thing. You can not only ask your significant other, but ask your boss, ask your coworkers. I did this thing. A guy, uh, Raj Nathan, he runs a company called Startup Hype Man. He suggested this to me in God, this must have been 2014, 2015. And it was putting all of these questions onto a Google survey and then sending it out to 15 or 20 of your closest friends. And I got all kinds of stuff that people said about me that were both very constructive and then also strengths that I didn't really look at as a strength because I'm, you know, you're in it every day. You don't realize the stuff that comes natural to you. So that's really cool. So the know yourself piece, the you're not static, I love what you said there. The controlling yourself, the second part, is this a discipline kind of thing? This part of the framework, what exactly are we digging into here? Yeah, it's exactly that. I, I think we can nerd out all day about James Clear and Atomic Habits and how do we not only, I think I, I took it from you actually, where you talked about discipline being making it easy to do the right things and hard to do the bad things or the things that you don't yeah, want to yeah. do. And so really being able to have some intentionality behind how I operate and realizing that, yeah, if I don't work out in the mornings, it's not going to happen in the afternoon. I just don't do it. And I'm not going to show up as well. So I say, okay, I have to prioritize getting some form of workout done earlier in the day, because that's going to help me feel good, release all sorts of neurochemicals that help me not only feel good, but perform better. And starting to understand, like, what are those different things that, again, like fill my cup up, help me be better or be my best? And then what are those things that pull me away? You know, okay, yeah, maybe I like to go out and party and and drink too much with my friends. And so, okay, well, how do I now reel that back in? How do I become a little bit more intelligent so that doesn't make it hard for me to go work out the next morning or get into my morning routine or whatever that might be? Now, right now on the sales front, I should be prospecting more, said no sales rep ever. And I realize, like, I'll put it on my list of the things that I want to do in a given day. And I keep pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down. And so it's like, okay, you know, within my first two hours of the morning, I know I've got to get up and do some of those prospecting or outreach emails or that phone call because I know it's a weakness of mine that if I get later into the day, I just don't have the willpower. I don't make it easy on myself. It's going to be really hard to do that. And so for me, it's really understanding here are the areas that I can do really well. And then creating a system for myself that says, great, here's how it's easy to do those things. And then make it more challenging to say, okay, yeah, I'm like not going to buy the sugary junk food at the grocery store. I'm not going to, I'm going to meal prep throughout the week, which I've been doing a lot more lately, mainly thanks to my fiance. And that's where all of a sudden it becomes so easy to go eat the healthy food 
that not only is good for my body, helps me feel good, helps me look better, helps me have better energy throughout the day. But if I don't have that food there, I'm going to go with an easier option that's probably going to be junk food or something that doesn't set me up for success. So I really think about, you know, creating systems within my life and around my house and moving my cell phone into a different room. I've done that for a long time. That's a lot of advice that you'll hear from folks around just helping support better sleep, your own mental health. But for a while, I'd still come in. I have my phone next to my meditation cushion in the mornings where I use my phone as a timer, but I'd have notifications on the phone. So I'd sit on my meditation cushion, but then I'd start scrolling through all the notifications that came through since I put my phone away at night. So now, great, I'm going to put my phone on airplane mode. And so it's also this constant evolution that I think of tweaks and tests. I'm a big Tim Ferriss fan and thinking about what can I continually do and how can I change along the way? Because we're all different people every single day that we wake up and show up. There's new information that we've gained. There's new struggles. There's new victories that we've had. And so for me, it's not this etched in stone. Every single day is going to be the exact same, but it's a matter of looking at that and saying, hey, is this still where I want to be today? How is this serving me this week, this month? And how do I move forward from there? Yeah. I mean, there's so many themes emerging from the conversation. One of them is, you know, you've mentioned the word intentional a lot. There's a lot of intentionality and purpose behind the things that you're doing. And what you just talked about is a good reminder. I just wrote down, find your dominoes. What are the things that have the domino effect? For you, it sounds like the thing that's going to have the greatest impact and domino effect and everything else throughout your day is getting a good workout in the morning and everything else is downhill from there. You know, and then with sales, Hey, if I prospect that first hour, two hours of the day, I know that the rest of the day, I'm going to feel super jacked because I got my calls in emails. I'm getting some meetings. I'm talking to some people. Is there any other, cause you mentioned a lot of very tactical things that I don't want to gloss over little things like putting your phone in. It's a good reminder for me, even cause I got my phone right here. And every now and then I'm tempted to look at it. That should be on the floor out of reach. You know what I mean? One thing I'll do to get out of bed in the morning is keep the phone at a distance where I have to get out of the bed, you know, to go grab it. Is there any other tactical kind of things like that that you do that make the discipline part again very easy when you kind of think about how you structure things or structure your day or your workflow or your office, home office environment, anything like that? Yeah, well... The disorganization piece definitely reigns true. So I'm continually trying to see how I can optimize my space. Although Sarah tells me all the time that she doesn't understand how I can work in such a disheveled space. And so, you know, again, this is where nobody's perfect. And so for me, I think there are a bunch of different pieces that I try and do to make it easy. You know, phone by the meditation cushion, Evernote, open on my computer in the mornings, So when I come in, if I haven't done it at night, I'd like to, but it doesn't happen all the time. I've got my list up of, okay, great. Here are the things that I'm going to knock out today and reminding myself to come back to it. I think, again, it's, I love this thought of like, how do we look at where we're trying to go and create a map or directions to get there and look at the different steps that have to happen. And so for me, I'm a big fan of goal setting, typically at least annually quarterly, monthly, and then weekly. And so I know if I have an understanding of the goals that I've got set and what I'm trying to accomplish, well, great. Now it makes it really easy for me to say, am I on the path? Am I on the right direction of where I'm trying to end up? 
And at the other side of it, also letting that go a little bit. Because I think if we hold on to something too tight, we kill it. You know, if you hold on to something too tightly, you're going to strangle the life out of it. And so there's this balance of being rigid in the areas that are important, but also being able to say, okay, I know I'm taking the right actions and activities to get me in the direction that I'm trying to go. How do you treat your calendar? How often do you review it, move stuff around? How do you, how, where does your calendar come into play? So my calendar, I use some color coding to understand, you know, what are my prospecting? What are my sales calls? What are my coaching calls uh, with partners or clients? When am I recording podcasts and things like that? So I, I have a pretty good system there that's a work in progress and could be improved. But I know that I keep my first two hours of my morning blocked for myself. I'll schedule a prospect on there if it's an important one, if it's something that I really want to have on there. But for me, I know that I want those first two hours to focus on my most impactful items of the day or what Cal Newport talks about is deep work. And so for me, it's really about saying, okay, great. Here's when I've got my time to get my things done. And on the other side of it, I try to sandwich similar calls into similar types of days. So I know, yeah, a lot of times calls will get pushed if they're on a Monday or Friday on, that I have recurring with different partners or clients that I have. And so great. I try and keep those recurring calls on my you know Wednesdays and Thursdays. So I can also operate from a similar mindset and approach throughout a day. Because in my role, I, I do a lot of coaching with partners. And then I also do prospecting and active selling. And so if I can say, great, you know, my Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays are my active selling days. And my Wednesdays, Thursdays, I can be in the, put my coaching hat on, have that mindset. It makes it much easier for me to operate throughout my day. Yeah. I love that. The first two hours, I'm sure you've read the one thing. Yes. Yeah. Excellent book. It's like save the first 90 minutes of every single day for that most important thing. And it kills me to see sales reps schedule meetings first thing in the morning. I'm like, yeah, dude, these are your prospecting blocks, man. That first two hours of the day, that first something, there's got to be an hour there in the first part of the day within the first two or three hours of your workday that is the thing that's going to move the needle the most. And then I love that you stack too. You're stacking similar things together. I do something very similar where Mondays are no meeting day. It's like, hey, it's the one day that I have to really focus on the, you know, working on the business instead of in the business. Tuesday, Thursdays, I try to stack sales calls. You know, Wednesdays, more delivery kind of stuff. Fridays, kind of everything else. And Friday's a you know, little bit of a catch-up day, but yep. I love this. Mm-hmm. I want to keep moving to make sure that we have time for the other two. So we have know yourself, control yourself, and then this others piece. What kind of stuff are you thinking about there? Yeah, so for me, understanding others is really a matter of starting to look at other people and understand what are their goals? What are their motivations? What are they trying to accomplish? Because that starts to give me the ability to say, how can I help? Another, a lot of this from dad is a book that he gave me from Ramdas. How can I help? And I think that has actually been one of the really core operating principles of my sales career that has enabled me to not just show up and say, hey, buy my stuff, but say, hey, how can I show up with something that can help you? And if I can understand, well, here are the goals, here are the motivations, here's what I'm trying to do as a human trying to create you know, success and wellness and freedom for my family, financial livelihood, 
opportunity to travel or understanding how my motivations work, just as similarly as we were talking about, you know, I'm a big sports nut and I choose to spend a lot of time watching sports, going to games, buying tickets. And those are the things that motivate me. And we think a lot of people operate the same way that we do. And I know that's not true. Like everybody thinks that they are logical in their own head. I don't care if you are way late in your career, early in your career. When I tell people that they're like, yeah, but like serial killers are crazy. And they might be, that's not really my place to say, but they think that they're logical. And so once I start to understand that we all have our own unique things that we want to accomplish in our lives, our prospects, our managers, our leadership team, our friends, our family, like everybody has something that they want to do. And so once I start to understand that for myself, I can now say, okay, great. Like, what might you be wanting to accomplish? And maybe I'll even ask, or I can lead with the example of saying, yeah, you know, I I really want to take a trip to South America and go explore. You know, what is it for you? Or I want to be able to save up to have a down payment for a home. You know, what's meaningful to you? Because now I can start to not only empathize with other people and truly get to empathy, which is a buzzword that I think is coming up a lot in sales, but doesn't actually, I don't think people are actually taught how to get to empathy. And so that's something I I work on with a lot of clients is let's understand yourself because now it makes it so much easier to see, well, how might I have Sonder for some other person? How might I start understanding the things that are going on in their head and what they might be wanting to accomplish in their lives? And so for me, it's about one, doing that deep work on myself first, and then two, actually asking the questions and saying, what is meaningful to you? Like, what do you care about and what's important for your own life? Because then we can actually serve other people and say, hey, let me actually help now that you've told me how I can help. Yeah. And that's where you know, Chris Voss calls it tactical empathy, I think. I've heard it talked to about. and But yeah, empathy is totally a buzzword right now. And I hate that buzzword. But that is the piece, like empathizing. Like empathy is an action. It's me being curious. I noticed this the very first time we talked. You're very interested in what makes me tick and what I'm working on. And when we talked last, we hadn't talked since I moved. How'd the move go? You know, so you're very in tune with that kind of stuff. And do you think that, because again, it's, it's kind of like what we're the theme we're kind of talking about is like how what you do as a salesperson is connected to what you do as a person. Do you find that just making this a habit in your personal life spills over into how you sell and interact with people from a business standpoint too? Definitely. I think that's the other part that's led me to the tens of thousands of hours of learning, of seminars, of tens of thousands of dollars of investment in understanding neuroscience and how the brain operates. Because at the end of the day, as humans, we operate based upon, Tony Robbins talks about pain or pleasure. There are other ways that people look at it, but we all operate based upon either trying to avoid pain or seek something new or seek pleasure in our lives. And that is such a critical underpinning of sales that at the end of the day, somebody is going to buy because they're trying to get somewhere that they aren't today, or they want to avoid missing out or not hitting the target that they have or whatever that might be. And so that's one of the things that has just aligned so well. And I probably just got lucky stumbling into it in my life, but sales and human psychology and how we operate are so deeply intertwined that it's just been an awesome opportunity for me to learn about myself, about how others interact and how can we really leverage that and not to be the slimy salesperson that says, oh, great, I'm going to use this like 
funky tactic to make you do what exactly what I want you to do. But how can I start understanding your core motivations, your wants, desires, needs, fears, challenges, and struggles? And one of the, the sales frameworks that I was taught at HubSpot was GPCT, goals, plans, challenges, and timeline. And so for most of us, we don't understand even what are our personal goals or what are our plans on how are we actually getting there or doing that today? Or what are our challenges or by when do we want to get there? Which takes me back to Lululemon, which said, yeah, great. We're going to instill in you this thought, this train of thinking around setting goals early on and being able to put that out there in front of the world, which is terrifying and scary, but it's so core to sales because sales is ultimately just interacting with other humans. And so for me, I think that is where there's such perfect alignment between sales, human psychology, and how I can operate my own personal system to set myself up for success when I start to bring that intentionality uh, and understanding of you know who I am and who I want to be, just as much as somebody else probably has similar wants, dreams, and hopes that are unique to them. Yeah. The not knowing your personal goals piece, it's really funny because I find that a lot of prospects don't necessarily know their goals and the challenges and like that sort of stuff. And when you ask them, I think the best response you can get from a prospect is, huh, let me think. And there's actually, you're making them sit there and think, and you're getting to do that with them, which is really, really cool. And I don't think that, I know this gets talked about a lot, but I don't think that many prospects experience, have experiences with salespeople where they ask them questions about what they're working on and what's getting in the way. And and they actually have some space to think about it. It sounds so obvious, but it's in practice, it's so rare. Yeah. You don't really see that connect back. I call it in outbound, I call it the cheat code. Like the cheat code is if you really take the time to under, and it's a cheat code that takes a really long time to get it. It's very hard work to get, but once you get it and you understand what's important to someone, everything becomes about how you can help them with that thing that's important to them. All of a sudden, people are totally open to listening to you. There aren't a lot of weird objections. They're super transparent with you. It's just taking the time to learn more about that other person and being interested in them. Yeah, I think there's such a lack of trust in sales yeah. that prospects all think that like, yeah, you're just here trying to like slam me in the door for something to hit your quota. And I am to an extent, <laughs> like I, I'm, I don't lie about that. I, I'm super transparent yeah. with most anybody I talk to. Like, hey, I'm in sales. Like, yeah, I, I'm biased to what I'm talking to you about, but I really want to help because for me, in my role, at least, like if somebody signs up today and doesn't become a longstanding customer, it's not good for our business. And here are the things that I measured upon. And here's what's important to me. Well, help me understand what's important to you. Because I think so many prospects try to hide behind, hide all of their cards. And every now and then, and more frequently, and maybe it's prospects are getting better at it, or maybe I'm doing an okay job, but they're like, here's the cards on the table. And I'm like, great, because if you give me your cards, I'll tell you, here are the levers that I can pull. Here are the things that I can do to help you. And when we can have that type of open dialogue and actually feel like we're in a partnership versus just a vendor and somebody with money conversation, I think it allows for that authenticity in sales to come back through when we don't have to feel like we're hiding behind, you know, my false, oh, well, like you have to buy now because I said so versus, well, you told me through your plans and what you're trying to accomplish with your goals. Here's why doing this now makes sense because if you don't, you're going to be behind where you need to get to, to the end of the year. And so I think that is where being able to be authentic in sales helps build much more trust with your prospects. And 
they can sense it. Whether you're sitting down in person, whether you're over the phone, whether you're on Zoom, they can smell desperation. They hear it in your voice. And so if you can actually be authentic with, I'm struggling right now, or, hey, I've got an incentive to get you closed now. I'm willing to help you if you can help me. Like, great. Now we're partnering and working together versus just trying to lie to our prospects that I think creates that inauthenticity that creates that separation between who I want to be as a human and who I am when I show up to work. I love it, man. We got one last piece so that we got know yourself, control yourself, others, and then do for others. So what do you think about in that last bucket? For me, that is really where it's connecting my, my mission, my goals, my objectives. Part of it is trying to work for a company that you can really believe in what you're doing. So you don't have to feel inauthentic. So you don't have to feel that you're just that cog in the machine or that person on the hamster wheel that most school has trained us to be. So for me, it's really about being able to say, how can I show up and do my best for other people? How can I use the unique skills, the unique talents, the unique knowledge and wisdom that I have and combine that together to add value for other people? And I believe if we can work for other people first and foremost, we will get value back in our lives. But so many of us are just focused on extracting the most value for ourselves that it becomes unfulfilling. It becomes short-term to maintain success and it becomes unsustainable. And so I think as humans, we get the most reward intrinsically and extrinsically from actually giving back to other people. From helping them. And so my, my mission is to unlock even more greatness in other people. And it's not unlock greatness because I think we are all great in our own ways, but many of us are missing some of those little pieces. I work with different coaches and therapists to help me uncover blind spots that I may not see that hold me back. And I think for us as humans, if we can focus more on giving than taking, we're going to actually receive more in the long run. And so that's what really helps fill me up and helps me think about this concept of doing something for others after I've worked on my own personal crap first, because it's really hard to actually show up authentically for them if I'm just focusing on what I can take. Yeah, that's why I love this framework because it does start with yourself. You know, it's the old saying, you know, put your oxygen mask on first. So true. You've been great, man. I love this. Really cool framework. Awesome conversation. Where can people go to connect with you, learn more about you? You got a podcast, a business, a bunch of stuff you're up to on LinkedIn. Where's the best place to uh, connect with you? Yeah, uh, you can find me at mycoreos.com. I'm doing different meditations for sales reps, things of the sort. You can find me on LinkedIn, Jordan Benjamin, two first and last names. So good luck. You, you may mix it up. And then my podcast is a Peak Performance Selling Podcast, Apple iTunes. Stitcher, wherever you want. Have an awesome interview with Jason that rocked my world. Um, so I'd say find me on any of those areas and I'd love to connect. Uh, I offer different free coaching sessions with reps that are, are trying to take their game to the next level. So a lot of different ways that we can connect and uh, ideally help build a more authentic sales community with more sustainable performance, make us feel better about the prospecting that we do and uh, going out to drive growth for ourselves and our prospects and customers. All right, that was a fun one. So one of the big things that I got from this episode is there's just a, such a really good reminder of what you spend your first 
two hours of the day on. And you gotta think about as a sales rep, what are you spending those first two hours on that you're either most likely to procrastinate or that's gonna have the biggest domino effect. And it's probably a combination of those two. And typically, you know I talk about outbound a lot, usually that should be outbound. The first hour of your day should be spent on outbound activity, the thing that is the least urgent, that is the most important that's gonna affect your pipeline three, six, nine months from now, depending on your sales cycles. So just a reminder, what are you spending the most precious hours of your day, those first two hours, what are you spending them on? And are those the highest impact activities? So appreciate you tuning in today. I had a really fun time talking to Jordan. If you're interested in Outbound Squad that I talked about earlier and you wanna level up your sales game, get coaching, be a part of a community, and really get advanced level stuff when it comes to how you outbound and how you sell, because we're gonna be focusing on that as well, and you're serious about adding another one to $2,000 to your income per month, hit me up, Jason at blissfulprospecting.com. It is a paid program and it does require a lot of work. But if you're one of those people, you're gonna get a lot out of our time together and I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, jason at blissfulprospecting.com. You're not gonna find anything anywhere else like this and I'd love to hear from you if you think you'd be a good fit. We'll talk to you later.